as you, as you'll recall, the 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 Ten Commandments are essentially the covenant that God laid out for His people, and this covenant begins literally in the chapter before, chapter nineteen, uh, starting in verse four. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. I saved you. I saved you. Exodus 19 verse 4. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my commandment, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That is your job. It is my job to be a holy nation to those around us, to our sphere of influence. And then starting in chapter 20, God said to Moses, these commandments. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So essentially what God has said to the people of Israel and us, first off, I saved you. I saved you. Okay? And the deal that you and I have with this God is God says, I will save you and you will be my people. And the second is that our part of the deal is He will be our God and we will obey Him. That's the deal we got. That's the deal we got. Now the only difference between this deal and the deal that Jesus kind of shares with us, this new covenant, is the manner in which salvation comes. By faith, not by works. So, the first thing, let's read verses 4 through 6. Exodus 20, verse 4 through 6. You shall not make for yourself an idol. Now, we're not making ourselves an idol just to be making an idol. This is an idol for the people of Israel and for us. This is an idol that is to represent Yahweh. To represent God. Okay? You shall not make an idol, God is saying, of me. All right, in the form of anything in heaven above, on the earth beneath, and the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. That's not really a good translation there. It should be zealous. Zealous. He is a zealous God. He is filled with zeal. We see this over and over and over again. Filled with zeal. Punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Out of this zeal comes behavior. Out of this zeal for doing right comes, if you love me, you will be blessed for a thousand generations and obey me. If you do not obey me, then I define that as hating me. And if you hate me, you will be cursed for up to three to four generations. Now, I can see it in my own life. It's true. It's true. Great-grandfather, 
stuff rolls downhill. The sins of the mothers and fathers are visited upon the children to the third and fourth generation. One of the things that God has set up is this result of our behavior. And the choice is very simple. But let's, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. First of all, we need to remember that Yahweh's name is Yahweh. It's not God. Okay? God is who He is. Yahweh is His name. Yahweh created human beings as the old catechism goes to love Him, to enjoy our relationship with Him, and to bring glory to Him. And out of that loving relationship, we discover that Yahweh loves us and wants what's best for us. He loves us and wants what's best for us. So Yahweh, out of His loving concern, has given us instructions for everything that you and I could ever run into when it comes to living life. Those instructions are about all aspects of life. Relationships with family, spouse, and children, parents, neighbors, and even people we don't know. There are instructions about how to manage the good things that God chooses to bless us with. There are budgets, and there are even advice to uh, investment advice in the Bible. There are instructions if you own a business and you have people who work for you. There are instructions if you work for someone, you are an employee. There are instructions about our relationship with Yahweh. The things we should do, the things we shouldn't do. Every aspect of living life he has given us instructions. Why? Because Yahweh loves us and He wants us to live a full, productive, happy, and fulfilled life. Now, it hasn't taken me, hasn't taken me but about 60 years to figure this out. And that is that the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that I know the more that I obey Yahweh's instructions about life, the more I obey what He has commanded me to do, the more I will enjoy the full, productive, happy, joyful, fulfilled life that Yahweh wants me to live. Now, there are several reasons why I don't live this, this blessed life that He has for me all the time. The first, I believe, is that I don't know his instructions. I don't know. The old way of saying it is I'm just ignorant. I don't know that I should do this and not that. So, the first reason is I do not know. It's kind of like the, I don't know, we were going down the road one time a few years back, and I didn't know the speed limit. Highway patrolman pulls up behind me, turns his blue light on, pulls me over, walks up to me. Mr. Thompson, can I see your license and your registration, all that sort of stuff. So I give it to him. I said, well, what was I doing, officer? He says, well, you were speeding. I said, speeding? I didn't even know what the speed limit was. And you know what he said? 
That's no excuse. Not knowing God's instructions, that's no excuse. You've been given His Word. That's on you, not Him. That's on you, not Him. So, if we don't live a full, loving, great life, blessed life, that God intends us to live, it may be because we're not studying and learning how to live that life. And maybe we need to spend more time knowing what God would have us to do. The second, the central... That may be true. We suffer the consequences if we are, don't know. Not knowing is no excuse. Now, not knowing God's instructions have two consequences. First, we will suffer the consequences of our behavior. And second, you will have to answer Yahweh in the last judgment. And that brings us to the central concern of the Bible, which is sin. Now, the Bible tells us that sin is doing anything that is contrary to Yahweh's will. So if Yahweh wants us to live the best life, and He gives us instructions to do that, and we choose to disobey those instructions, we sin against Yahweh. For instance, in the garden, the instructions were pretty simple. In Genesis 3, the old serpent says to Eve, did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden? Just kind of laying a little doubt there, you know. And old Eve says back, we may eat fruit from the trees in all the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it, or you will die. One rule, one instruction. Don't eat the fruit. Don't touch the tree in the middle of the garden. Later, Isaiah says, we all have gone astray. Each of us, and this is a key phrase, has turned to our own way. Isaiah hit the nail on the head, turning to our own way, he writes. <clears throat> Several weeks ago, we began this little series on the Ten Commandments. The first commandment, no other gods. The Bible repeatedly tells us that no one should be more important to us than God. Not mom, dad, not children, not job, not anything. Nothing. Jesus Himself says even nothing can be more important than our relationship with this God through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> The second commandment is no idols of Yahweh. You see, these two commandments speak to the two ways that we human beings try to turn to our own way. The first is to reject Yahweh outright. I just am not going to do what God commands me to do. I'm just not going to do it. Okay? Most of us will do that from time to time. From time to time. I'm just going to do things my own way. Like the serpent in the garden, 
we can be like God. And we've been trying to be like God, I would submit, ever since. And the Bible says countless times and in countless ways, we go about doing our own thing and not Yahweh's way. Today, just a few minutes to speak about the second way that we human beings do things our own way. We try to control God. Turn with me again. I've read uh, Exodus 20, uh, verses 4 through 6. Notice, Yahweh says several things. There are to be no idols to represent Him. Why? Because Yahweh is a jealous God. A better translation of jealous is zealous. Zeal is defined as great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. Yahweh has great energy and enthusiasm concerning this commandment. The zeal will cause God, as He says right here, to take certain actions. So He will tell us what He will do. He will punish those who hate Him up to four generations. If you don't obey Him, Yahweh defines that as hating Him. He will bless or favor those who love and obey Him for a thousand generations. Again, the component of loving Yahweh is to obey Him. That's pretty clear. Except for one thing. Why is it, not, why is it so important that there be no idols to represent Yahweh? During Moses' day, all religions, except Judaism, had idols of the gods that the pagans worshipped. Even during Jesus' day, that was true. And if we took the time to look, just like Douglas said a few minutes ago, uh, I can go get in my little truck and go home. And on the way home, there is a picture, there is a little statue of a little fat man sitting in cross legs, sitting in the front yard of one of the houses I go right by. And it's a picture of Buddha. It's a statue of Buddha. Now, now, I might go and knock on that door of that house and say, do you know who that little man is? And somebody, whoever owns that house, might say, I oh, know I don't. I don't. But, it's like speeding. It's like speeding. Just because we don't know the limit doesn't mean we aren't responsible. We aren't responsible. You see, today we have idols. No idols to represent Yahweh. To understand that, we have to go back to Moses' day and see why pagan religions chose to have idols. And what I found was this. The Interpreter's Dictionary of the Bible says, The second commandment prohibits all forms of idolatry. No image of the deity is to be made. The commandment is not merely directed against the religious practices associated with temple worship and elsewhere, more fundamental, in other words, more importantly, is the conviction on the part of the Israelite community that Yahweh cannot be controlled by man. 
Having an idol again, as I said before. Having an idol right here in which we say, okay, that's, that's a representation of Yahweh. I can bring my offering to this statue. And I, in essence, I, am, I know that that's not really Yahweh. Okay? But it's a representation of Yahweh. And so one of the things that we do when we do is to bring our offering to God, to this Yahweh, this, this idol, and we say, okay, Lord, I want you to do this. And we begin to seek to manipulate God, to control God. Lord, if you get me out of this one, I'll... We continue to do it. We continue to do it. We continue to do it. Yahweh is not to be coerced into blessing His people or destroying their enemies. He remains free and sovereign even over the people who choose to worship Him. So in the people in Moses' day and probably throughout history come to believe that idols are a way of controlling the God and that the idol represents. So in the second commandment, Yahweh is telling us, I cannot be controlled by you. I am free and sovereign among all the people, people that worship me. You cannot control him. Cannot manipulate him. Okay. These two commandments tell us. You see, one of the things that you and I want to do is like old Adam and Eve in the garden. We want to be like God. We want to do our thing our own way. And so these two commandments tell us the two ways in which we seek to manipulate or to replace God. Do not reject God. He is God. Make sure that He is on the throne of your life. Secondly, you cannot manipulate Him. You cannot control Him. Do not. Do not do those things. Okay? How does 21st century Christians try to do things our way? Let's go back to the story of the fall. After Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit, starting in Genesis 7, we read, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They hid. They hid their stuff. You hide your stuff. You hide your stuff. I put stuff on to hide my sin. Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from God. You hide from God? Do you run from Him? Do you run from Him? 
But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Woman made me do it. He passed the buck. He even goes so far as to say, the woman that you gave me made me do it. You are responsible, God. Not me. How many times do we blame God for the situations in which we find ourselves? How many times do we hide our own sin even from ourselves? How many times do we hide from God? The woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. We pass the buck. We blame others. The Bible tells us that we blame others. We hide from Yahweh. We try to cover up our sin. In the same ways we try to usurp this power of God and His authority. We seek to manipulate Him in every way and, 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 and in very many circumstances. We seek out to keep this God out of our particular parts of our life. One of the things that we want to keep as our own is this. Lord, I'll give you three hours on Sunday morning. Lord, I'll give you this or that. I'll help with the church with this or that. But you can't have this. And Monday through Friday, Lord, I'm going to do things my way. I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. I'm not going to take it into consideration. Your way. Your instruction. We keep God in a little box. And we say, you can only come out certain times and certain situations. Christians may not have idols on their fireplace mantle. But we do have a tendency to manipulate. And control, seek to control this God. And the ways we do it are legion. How do you? How do you? Let's pray. We thank You, O Lord, for these commandments and what they say to us even these days. We ask, O Lord, that You truly would help us and seek to keep you on the throne of our lives, to keep you front and center, to keep you on the front burner of our life. Help us, O oh Lord, for we are weak, we are sinful, we are broken. There is much about us that even if we were honest with ourselves, we would say, ah, I do not like this about me. 
Guide us, O Lord. Show us our sin that we might repent. And in repentance, may we, as the psalmist say, find that our hearts are clean as we come before you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for hearing our prayers, our cry. Guide us, O Master, to truly seek to be your children. Not only on Sunday morning, when we have our Sunday morning face on, but throughout the week. These things we ask and pray in Christ's name. Amen.